Uh, We are starting today a brand new series called Frequency. We're going to be talking about how we hear the voice of God right here and now today. And uh, we're going to be talking about what are the different methods and the agents that God uses to speak to us right here and now. And uh, we're going to be talking about some of the pitfalls and the, the things we want to avoid when it comes to the things about hearing from God. We'll be honest about those issues as well. But I am guessing if you are a normal human being, and I think everybody in here is pretty, pretty human, um, you've probably asked the question at some point in your life, what is God's will? For me right now. Uh, is he even trying to talk to me? And why is it so hard to hear him sometimes, right? If he's trying to talk to me, why is it so hard to hear sometimes? Uh, uh, one time uh, recently I was walking my little girl Adeline to school. We live close to the school and then we go through a little trail and there we pop out at the school. And so I'm walking her there. It's a great joy of my life to get to do that in the mornings. And, and we, we pray along the way. We have this little prayer that we say. And I was reminding her the other day, you know, you can always talk to Jesus every single day, wherever you are in class or you're on the playground or wherever you're at. She's seven. And so you can talk to him and you can just say, hi, Jesus, I love you. I'm having, and, uh, or if you have something you need to ask him to help you with or something. And you know, he talks to you back. And she says, I don't, I don't ever hear him talk to me back. And I said, okay, well, that's okay. You know, because it, it is, it's kind of a, sometimes it can be a challenge to, to hear the voice of the Lord because you don't really hear him with your ears. Sometimes you kind of hear him in here. And she says, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't know that I hear him. And I said, well, he is. If you listen real closely, you'll hear him saying, Adeline, Jesus loves you. Adeline, Jesus made you beautiful. Adeline, Jesus wants you to stop hitting that little boy, right? (laughs) He'll be telling you these things if you're listening. Uh, So she needed to hear that. And I think all of us need to hear that. You know, we never grow out of that, that question. And so I think it might be worth taking a minute first to ask, to answer the question, does God still speak to us? Because the truth is, that's not a 100% accepted idea that God still speaks to us. Not even among Christians within the church. Some believe that he stopped speaking 2,000 years ago. Um, he spoke, you know, back in the Bible days, but then he stopped. Some believe that, you know, maybe once in a generation you have someone who, some holy prophet who he speaks through, but not all the time. Some people, uh, common belief today is that, well, God speaks uh, to a rare anointed chosen few in the church who are gifted like with the gift of hearing or something like that, but not to the rest of us. The paid professional holy man, maybe he'll, he'll speak to him, but not to the rest of us. And so what I want to assure you right off the bat, right here today, is that God not only does speak to us, that he is speaking to us right now, and he, he wants to speak to you right now. And he, in fact, because God can't even help. He cannot help but speak to you uh, because you have the living Christ inside you. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that in a little bit. And, but the reason for that is because God is a God of relationship. He is the God of relationship. Okay, let's do a little Bible trivia here real fast. We'll pretend like we're in VBS, okay? Uh, I'm gonna, let's see, who can identify this scene? I'm going to give you a quote. Who, who can tell me who said this? Only one thing is necessary. I heard Jesus. Oh, ding, ding, ding. Okay, somebody got the gold star. Okay. Can anybody tell me what that scene was? What was that? What was happening? There it is. Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha. That's right. So in, in, uh, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus is at Mary and Martha's house. 
and uh, Martha's in the kitchen making supper for Jesus. She's working hard. She's doing it for Jesus. I mean, she's doing good stuff. And Mary, her sister, should be helping her, but Mary has the nerve to just walk right by Martha and plop herself down at the feet of Jesus. And uh, so she's actually, what Mary is doing is taking on the posture of a learner, of a disciple. She's sitting there with the other men, which was a big deal at the time. And so Mary and Jesus are having real relationship. They're face to face. He's teaching and she's learning. And they are, it's just a beautiful scene. But Martha, she's doing the hard work in the kitchen for Jesus. And she is understandably miffed, right? She's like, she's thinking there's a time and a place. You right? Anybody got siblings and you probably thought that. First of all, because Mary's left her to do the hard work. But second of all, I think it's because Mary is stepping kind of outside her gender boundaries for that day, for that culture, acting like a dis- disciple. And we know Jesus is always breaking down those gender stereotypes. He was always doing that. And whenever he had a chance to get one-on-one with somebody, whether it was this or the woman at the well or whoever it was, he didn't care about optics. He didn't care what it looked like. He didn't care what people thought. If there was a face-to-face encounter to be had, he was going to do it. And so when Martha comes out, she is so convinced of her rightness, she like pulls Jesus into the argument, thinking, you know, I got God on my side, so I'm going to use him. And she's like, Jesus, can you tell Mary, get her keister in the kitchen? I think that's in the Greek. You know, and she's just sure he's going to back her up on this. And here's how Jesus responds. You see it. He turns to Martha and he says, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. One thing is necessary. Mary's made the right choice. Now, again, Martha's not doing anything wrong. She's not doing anything bad. She's just not doing what was best, right? For her, the the good got in the way of the best. And for Jesus, what is best is always relationship. It's always, it's the opportunity for relationship. If it's there, Jesus teaches us that that is the priority of his heart. And God still desires relationship with us. He desires to, he desires us to pray to him and he desires to speak to us. And so in many ways, this, uh, what we're talking about in this series is, is the center point of our faith. It's God's heart towards us. He wants to have friendship with us. And that's why I think, uh, you know, the subject matter of this series is so pivotal to each one of us, young or old, whether you're a longtime Christian or a brand new believer. This, I pray that this is going to inspire us to approach our, our walk with God in a whole fresh new way. Now, back to that question, though, that, that big question that I often hear from folks. If God wants to talk to us, why doesn't God speak more clearly? Why doesn't he just talk more clearly? And there are a lot of reasons we could get into. Uh, one, one is the fact that we live, as we commonly say around here, we live in a war zone. We were created for the battle. And that is just the fact. Uh, some, some preachers call it the fog of war that we're born into. Uh, the world we are in now is not the world that God created. Mankind, as well as the angels, have rebelled against God. And so there's spiritual pollution in the, that just prevent us from having that sort of immediate communication with God that they enjoyed in the garden between mankind and God, in that we will enjoy in the life to come. We're going to have that sort of face-to-face immediate communication. There are principalities and powers that jam the frequencies, plus our own minds. We just are all, you know, dealing with clouded, uh, fallen, tainted minds. And on top of that, today we 
uh, are unique in that we are bombarded with cultural and technological uh, just distractions that earlier generations just did not have to deal with. We just cannot, you know, most of us aren't spending our week farming in a field by ourselves. You know, it's, there is just so many distractions. Uh, and, and that's one of the reasons I have found when I need to hear from the Lord in those times when I, I'm like, I really need that word. I need to hear what God is saying to me. I, I really do. I have to get away physically. I have to get away, uh, you know, just just kind of being around, going around my day in prayer is good, but to hear back, sometimes I need the quiet. I got to get, you know, whether it's sometimes literally out in the woods or sometimes it's just a really quiet room uh, at work or in the home. Um, but I think another major reason that we may not be hearing God is that we are not sure what exactly we're listening for. I mean, what is the voice of God sound like? And, and we, you know, it's hard when you can't find the frequency. We can't find that frequency. We're looking for the wrong kind of voice. A lot of us are, are waiting and we're looking for that voice that's, that's thus saith the Lord, you know, and like a James Earl Jones kind of voice or something like that. And the truth is, hearing God is usually not like that. Not for me. I have rarely, if ever, heard that voice. Look at these two passages on your screen here. Look at these two passages. These are really interesting. Proverbs 20 says the human spirit, that's our innermost essence. The human spirit is the lamp of the Lord that sheds light on one's inmost being. Isn't that an interesting thing for the Bible to say? The human spirit, not like the angelic spirit or something is like shining the light of the, the human spirit is the lamp of the Lord. So that's an interesting thing. First Corinthians, written about a thousand years later, chapter 216 says, but we have the mind of Christ. That word mind is a Greek word, nous, and it, it means the human intellect. It's, it's this mind, the, uh, the, the intellect, the reasoning that we have. We have the mind of Christ. It, it, look how it's like combining this, this human intellect, the mind, the reasoning that I have going on up here in my gray matter of Christ. Like mixing it all up with this divine stuff. What is happening here? The, the late uh, incredible writer Dallas Willard wrote probably one of the top three uh, books that changed my life. Uh, if you want to go out and read it, it's called The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. But he wrote in, in another book of his uh, called Hearing God, Developing a Conversational Relationship with God. He wrote uh, about this, this combination here that is happening in these two scriptures. Here's what he says. So God uses our self-knowledge or self-awareness, which is heightened and given a special quality by his presence and direction to search us out and reveal to us the truth about ourselves and our world. So it's not like a distant voice that he's speaking to us with. It's like this intimate voice that he's speaking through us. He goes, he says, it's the union and communion of the believer with God. They're two beings unified and inhabit each other. Just as Jesus prayed, I ask that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. He goes on to say this, as we grow in grace, God's laws increasingly form the foundation of our hearts. 
His love is our love. His faith is our faith. Our very awareness of our actions, intentions, and surroundings then bears within it the view that God takes, bringing things into the clarity of his vision, just as a candle might illuminate what is on our dinner table. The spirit of the individual truly is the candle of the Lord, in the light of which we see ourselves and our world as God sees. In this way, we are addressed by him, spoken to by him through our own thoughts. Through our own thoughts. So there is this union that we have with God. Let me, let me read you a scripture and then I'll kind of encapsulate all this in, in something easy to understand here. In 1 Corinthians 6, the Apostle Paul says, But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. That is a bold thing to say. Whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Here's where we're getting at. This is why when we are filled with the spirit, the voice of God in us, it doesn't sound like a different voice than our own. It doesn't sound like James Earl Jones. To hear God, we should not be listening for something coming at us from the outside It's going to sound, most often, it's going to sound like your own voice. It's going to sound like your own voice, our own intuitions, our feelings. But it's God in union with our thoughts and feelings. What this means is our capacity to hear God's voice. To hear God's voice, your capacity comes out of your relationship with him. Our being united with him. We could say it this way. Our communication with God arises out of our communion with God. Communication with God arises out of our communion with God. I mean, just look at the word communicate. It's all about union and relationship, right? Calm means with union. We could coin our own word. Communication. There we go. Put that in the dictionary. It's all talking about the same thing, right? What this means to us on a day-to-day level is that even more important than just discerning the will of God in every little situation, God, tell me what to do here, tell me what to do here, more than just figuring out what God wants, our very highest priority, our first priority should be to spend time with him. Spend time with God, be in his presence, dwell with him, actively practice dying to the world and and relying on Jesus, leaning in, getting your life from him. And it's out of that, see, that we'll be able to discern what it is he's speaking to us throughout the day. But here's the truth, and we'll put it here. We say it this way, our ability to hear God will never outrun the depth of our relationship with him. Because he's speaking through us. So our our ability to hear him is never going to outrun the depth of our relationship with him. The Apostle Paul, no, 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 it was John, gives us probably, surely, the single greatest revelation in the universe. The greatest revelation that everything is built on is three words that he tells us, and that is that God is love. I mean, everything's based on that. Everything is built on that. God is love. It's such a beautiful revelation that nobody could make, no human could make this up. And then John defines that 
definition of love, because we could all come up with what love means, but he defines it by pointing to the cross. He says, here's how you know what love is. You don't have to guess. Don't, you know, project your own definition of love. Jesus gave his life for us, so we should give our life for one another. That's the definition. That is love. And notice Christianity is unique in this claim, because only the Christian faith, when you think about it, we, we alone, Christian faith alone, has a God who has an I and a thou in his own very being, right? God, he loves, but he didn't have to create us to have something to start loving. He is love itself. He already is love. He is in himself three persons, right? He is community in oneness, in himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the triune God, in himself, it's all about relationship. He is all about relationship. And that kind of love, what does that love look like when it gets turned outward? It looks like Calvary. That is the love of God turned outward. So this concept of God's continually self-giving love, I, I was reading in, in some church history, which I, I find fascinating. It was probably most beautifully expressed by this group called the Cappadocians. They were in the fourth century, fourth century fathers of the faith. And uh, they had this revelation of this mutual indwelling of the three persons of the Godhead and uh, of the Trinity. The, the persons completely, the God just completely, utterly, totally giving himself away to one another, the, these persons of the Trinity, to the point where they fully uh, dwell within one another. Now, here's the exciting part. When we commune with God, when we spend time communing with God, we are participating in the union of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're, we're told in Ephesians 1.6, we are loved in the Beloved, we get wedged into that love that God participates in. When we spend time with God, we're, we get, we're, we're just like, I'm going to get in on this, right? God loving himself, and we get in on that. And God wants that indwelling to be replicated and multiplied and, and, and refracted, you might say, throughout creation. And, and so Jesus can pray in John 17. What Dallas Willard quoted here, he says, Father, I pray just as you are in my love, you're in me and I'm in you. May they also be in us. May they be one. He's talking about his, you and me. May they be one as we are one and I and them and you and me. Ah, it's the Trinity being turned inside out for the sake of the world and for the sake of his glory. He didn't have to become something different to he, to, to, in the person of Jesus, because Calvary is what God looks like when he's being himself to a race of sinners who are trying to push him away. He looks like that. And so the Apostle Paul, he says dozens of times, we, we couldn't even list them all here, he says dozens of times that we are in Christ and that we are loved in Christ. And so God's love for us, it's not something... His love for you isn't just something in addition to his love for Jesus. The Father loves Christ perfectly, fully, and we are in Christ. So we're loved as Jesus himself. We're loved with the same love as the Father has for the Son. I mean, just internalize that for a second. You are loved with the same love that the Father has for Jesus because you are in him.
You are loved with that same perfectly intense, unwavering, unfathomable, unearnable love that the Father has for Jesus because God is that kind of love. He is. So, which means when we take time to commune with God, we take time to spend meditating on him, listening to him, praying to him. We're participating in the communion that God has with himself, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Prayer time is not just like something you do to check off a list. You're participating in the communion the Father, Son, Holy Spirit has within himself. I mean, that blows me away. That blows me away. Paul also says this. He says that the Spirit prays through us, right? Here's more of this I and him and you and me and we're all in. The, and the Spirit searches the deep things of God when we're yielded to the Spirit and don't know what we should pray. The Spirit prays through us with groanings that can't be uttered, which means that it's not only when it's not only in our, in our loving communion we're participating with God's loving communion, but in our communication with God, we get to participate in God's own communication with himself. The Spirit in us is praying to the Father. I mean, are you, are you getting this? This is, this is pretty cool stuff because we dwell in him and he dwells in us. This means that from the Father's, from, from God's perspective, we're not this far off other thing that he's got to scream down to to get us to hear him. We are in him and he is in us. So hearing his voice and his leading will seem to function for us as a part of our own thoughts and feelings. That's the upshot. It will seem to function as a part. You'll be like, well, did I come up with that thought? Or did God tell me that? Yeah, right? Sometimes the answer is yes, <laughs> right? It will function as our part of our own thoughts and feelings. He participates in our own communication. He participates in our own inner dialogue. Sometimes when I'm in that prayer time, when I'm in a prayer time, when I really want to get close with God and, you know, spend that time, uh, I, I, I have to, I have to kind of like go through little doors, uh, you know, emotional doors to sort of gradually close off the world. And I have, I have some kind of like set prayers that kind of get me to that place. You know, whatever it is that you might have a different way, uh, different people have different ways because you ever get into praying and you're not sure, am I, am I just praying? Am I just talking out loud? Am I just talking to myself? Or am I talking to God? There seems to be a fine line between that sometimes, right? And uh, some people, and it's easy to start praying. You ever get to start praying and you realize you're thinking about your grocery list? Like one second you were just in prayer and then you're thinking about something else. People use all kinds of techniques or whatever it is to kind of just stay focused in the here and now. Nothing wrong with any of that stuff. You know, some traditions use prayer beads just to keep them in the moment or using, you know, look, I'm going to look at this uh, picture of Jesus or something while I'm praying. You know, whatever you need to do, that's fine. But when I am in that prayer time, I'm just telling you kind of what, what it's like from my perspective. Very often it does feel, especially if I can get in a place, uh, if I'm out in the woods or something like that, where I can get in a place where I can pray out loud and I know nobody's going to like call the cops on me or anything like that. When I can pray out loud and sometimes it'll kind of feel like, you know, maybe I'm just praying out loud. Maybe I'm kind of just trying different ideas on for size almost, you know, it's just that idea I'm praying and, but there is a 
there is like a crossing over. There is like this zone. I don't know if, you, if you've been there, this zone of his presence and his thoughts. And I know, and I start prophesying to myself. You ever been there? You just start, you speak in these words. And I know in that moment, it is not just me speaking words and trying, trying ideas on. I am flowing in that moment of a, a moment of divine communication and, 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 and revelation and communion. It is I and him and him and me. And it is beautiful. And I'm telling you, telling you folks, we are caught up in the greatest, most beautiful love story ever told, right? That is possible and available for every single one of us to be in that, to be in that zone where we are just praying. And, and it does, sometimes it just starts off with you praying. It might be the Lord's Prayer or something, one of the, you know, like something we just see in the Bible. But whatever it is, you just keep going and then you realize, oh, God is talking to me, right? And it never does sound like James Earl Jones. It, it always sounded like my own voice, but I knew this is not coming from my brain. I'm not this smart, right? You can just tell. Now, in this series, you know, over the next coming weeks, we're, we're going to look at several different ways that God speaks to us, because he speaks to us not, in, not only in just that way that we're talking about today. We're kind of concentrating on that today, but there's different ways that we hear God's voice expressed. Um, there's many ways. He's God. We are not, right? We're not going to box him in and say he only has five ways. But we are, there are five primary ways that I see today uh, that God speaks to us. And so we'll, we'll talk about some of these in the coming weeks. But just to sort of summarize, we encounter God. One way we encounter God is universally is through creation. We encounter God through creation. And I would add that creation includes art as well as nature, both divine creativity and human creativity. Uh, we see in Scripture God speaks through both. Um, the, the wonders of nature or, or an incredibly moving piece of artwork. Um, I've heard so many scientists uh, in like a podcast talk about how uh, that were Christians, Christians who were also scientists uh, as a vocation. And they point to, I think it was St. Augustine who, who first coined the term uh, that God reveals himself in the book of scripture and the book of nature, right? We have the book of scripture, the survival, and the book of nature, which is right out there, right? And you can encounter what God is saying to us. So whether we're looking at a telescope at the stars or a microscope at the tiny world down there, um, or you're listening to a symphony that just like brings tears to your eyes, many people have encountered God in these different ways. And so that's one way is universally through creation. A second way we encounter the voice of God, we hear the voice of God, is historically is through Scripture. That's, that's a big one. Uh, our Bibles, this d divinely inspired collection of, of stories and books and letters and poems and prophecies that span over 1,500 years, uh, we have this, we know it as the Bible. And as Christians, what we believe the Word of God in Scripture is all pointing us to is the word of God made flesh, who is Jesus. And that's the third way Jesus, uh, God speaks to us uh, definitively, uh, most definitively through Jesus. And so we're going to come back to this again and again and again. There's just no more definitive representation of God than Jesus. He reveals himself perfectly in Jesus. And so we can absolutely trust what Jesus says and follow the example of what he does. God reveals himself relationally through the church. And this is something we never want to uh, ignore or neglect. I got to tell you, I, I, I hear from God so often through brothers and sisters, through friends who speak who, with that voice of wisdom, speaking God's word to me. I know it. And so God wants us to listen 
to his voice speaking through each of us. As the body of Christ, we are, uh, we are to speak divinely inspired uh, intention and encouragement to one another. And then fifth, he speaks to us intimately through his spirit, through the Holy Spirit. And we generations are part of a, a tribe that is worldwide who really does believe that God has spoken and is still speaking through his Holy Spirit to us today, to individuals and to communities. Sometimes he speaks to communities and we have the gifts of the Spirit in forms of a word of wisdom, a word of prophecy or tongue interpretation that's spoken to all of us. But he also speaks to us individually. So when you, you could be sitting there right now and God's speaking a word that is just unique and personal to you. And that's a beautiful thing. What we're actually going to find is that no matter which of these ways God is using to speak to you in a moment, you and however you're encountering the voice of God, it is by means of the Holy Spirit that we're able to perceive what he's saying. It just cannot be done without the Holy Spirit. He is an essential to all of this. It's possible for us because we have access to this beautiful person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, which not even the humans who physically walked with Jesus had. So in the time we have left, there, there, you know, a question some people have is, is, well, who is this Holy Spirit? And sometimes the Holy Spirit is hard to, to kind of wrap our minds around, right? Because I mean, if I talk to you about the Father, you probably instantly have a little mental image. It's probably a wrong image, right? It's probably the old man on the throne or whoever it is with the beard, whatever it is. But at least you can sort of like, I can sort of picture of the Father God, you know, and the Son, we know what he looks like, right? I mean, yeah, Jesus, I'm all about that. We say the Holy Spirit, we're kind of like, what is the Holy Spirit? We could say it like this, the Holy Spirit is, is God's pure power personified. It's his power personified. Remember John 1 is actually describing Jesus and it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and that word turns out his name is Jesus, right? So when the words, think about it, when the words of God go forth from his mouth, God is so inherently relational and God-like <laughs> that the words that, what, what proceeds out of his mouth is God right? That word itself is God and its name is Jesus. Now, when words are leaving my mouth right now, those words are not Scott. They're just air, right? They, they, they don't have any personality. They're just vibrations in the air. But when God's word goes out, his word is God and that word is Jesus. It's somehow distinct from the Father and yet it is God. So when God's power goes out, you can think of it as the same way. When God's power goes out, God's power is also relational. That persona is God. And so this is how majestic God is. Our words are not us, but with God, his word is him. And his power is him. His power that flows is God. So maybe that can be sort of a mental image that helps you. The Holy Spirit. God doesn't just exude power. His power itself has personality. It has personality. That's the Holy Spirit's pure power personified. And the Holy Spirit, what we, what we see, is always pointing to Jesus. He's always pointing. So Jesus introduces us to the Holy Spirit. Uh, in John chapter 14, he says, and I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate. He'll give you an advocate. So he describes the Holy Spirit first this way. This word advocate is a Greek word paraclete, and it means, uh, it's kind of a legal term. 
If I understand right, it's a legal term. It's kind of like counsel for the defense, right? He's there beside you. It's somebody who's on your side, who's defending you against the attacks of the enemy, whoever that is. He is your advocate. But notice Jesus says, I'm sending you another one. So that tells us two things. Number one, that Jesus was the first. He is the first advocate. Um, but he's bringing us another one. And there's, what's interesting is there's two n- words in Greek for another. There's two words. One is heteros, and it means another of a, different, uh, of, of a different kind. Another of a different kind. So like if we were having lunch together, and I was having the tacos, of course. And I'm having the tacos, and I said, are you going to have the tacos? And you said, no, I'm going to have another choice. I'm going to have the salad. And I would say, I'm sorry. And so we would be having something different. <laughs> right? We're both eating, but we're having different things, a good thing and a sad thing. So that's what we would be having. There's another word for another in the Greek, and that is uh, this, this other word, alos, and it means another of the same kind. The same, it's another, but it's the same kind. So if you said, can I have a bite of your tacos? I would say, let me go buy you your own. So you can have another plate of tacos, right? Just stay on your side and stay away from mine. So it's another of the same kind of thing. Jesus could have said, there'll be another coming and he's going to be different from me. He could have said, there's another coming and he'll be similar to me. He uses the second kind. He uses the second word here. So Jesus says, there is another spirit who's coming. He's somehow distinct from Jesus, but he's just like Jesus. And he's coming to be an advocate. Then he says this in verse 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So this Holy Spirit will actually speak to us with the voice of God. And he does this, like we said, both privately and in community with other believers. But what the Holy Spirit is primarily going to be doing, what he does, what he communicates, is to remind us and bring illumination to the ways and teachings of Jesus, the words and ways of Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit is going to be bringing to light when he's speaking to us, right? It's like, it's that whole love fest going on. That is the triune God, right? The father says, oh, I love people so much. I'm going to send to my son. And then the, he sees the son, Jesus is getting baptized. And the father's like, oh, this is my boy. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I love him so much. And Jesus is like, oh, I love people so much. I'm going to give myself. And, and I love the father so much. I'm only going to say the words that the father gives me. And then Jesus is like, you know what? Not only am I going to give you myself, my life, I'm going to give you this other part of the Godhead. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and goes, thanks guys, but I just love you guys so much. I just want to send you all back to Jesus. It's this big love thing, right? That's just, it's going around and around. Let's look at the end of chapter 15. I'm kind of jumping fast here. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, is Jesus talking. The spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about him. That's the centerpiece of ministry for the Holy Spirit. His whole purpose in the earth Jesus says, he's going to testify about me. The Holy Spirit always brings the attention back to Jesus. He's he's not even bringing the attention on himself. He's like, I just want you guys to see more of Jesus. Let me remind you what Jesus says. Let me show you what Jesus is like. In verse 27, what else did Jesus say? And you also must testify. Okay. So when we testify, we become witnesses right? Like testifying in court, we become witnesses. And when we do that, we are in partnership with what the Spirit is already doing. So we're partnering with the Holy Spirit when we are living these kind of Christocentric lives, 
when we're testifying about Jesus. John 16 says this. Okay, just to set the stage, Jesus came, he died, he rose from the dead. Everybody's excited. Yay, Jesus is back. And he spent about 40 days with them, and then he's like, psych, I'm leaving. And so they're like, wait, you just got here. So here's what Jesus says. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good. Literally, that word is, it's far better for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is saying, guys, I know you love being with me. I know you love it. We get to sit right here face to face around the campfire. This is great. There's a whole world out there though, right? And Jesus is like, it is going to be even better for you after I leave. Now, why is that? Because Jesus in the flesh he, he contained himself, right? He contained himself into a person. He was one person uh, in one time and place. You know, we, we, we can pinpoint the dates that he was here, early first century AD uh, and, and in the Middle East. He could talk to people, but he could only talk to those within the sound of his voice. There's no record in scripture of him like using mental telepathy to talk to people across the country or a community across the country. He never did that. But with the coming of the Holy Spirit, God can speak directly to individuals. He can speak to communities separated by thousands of miles. He can speak to us right here this morning, right you, you right there in your seat, as well as a church in Kenya that you just helped build. He's speaking to those people right there in their seat. They're not sitting down because they're too excited all the time. But he's speaking to them in their hearts, right? He can speak to us across the centuries. He's not limited to one time and place. So this is why central to the Christian faith is that Jesus was born, he lived, he died, he rose again, but often lost in that important sequence of events is the fact that he ascended to heaven. That was just as important for that to happen, just as important because that's not an afterthought. It was as necessary as as him being born, crucified, and rising again because today the Spirit of Christ can speak and does speak to every soul on the planet. Every, every one of us. And he can be speaking completely unique thoughts to you and something called totally different to the person right beside you. Isn't that beautiful? He's not, he, he's not limited to just saying one thing. He says things to all of us. He's so personal. The Holy Spirit's not bound by time and space. All right, verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He'll guide you into the truth. And what is he going to be? guiding us to the truth of, he's going to be pointing to Jesus, right? This is why in scripture it calls, it also calls the Holy Spirit, many times it'll call it the Spirit of Christ. It can call him the Spirit of Christ because he so perfectly communicates the DNA of God. He is God. He's the same, you know, we don't worship three different gods. It's a hard thing to wrap our heads around. It's one God. He is God. But when we get to know Jesus, Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father, Remember when he said that? And as we get to know the Holy Spirit, we get to know Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is this active agent, the one who is in us and filling us and around us. But as we relate to him, the the person we get closer to is Jesus. We're relating to Jesus. We're communing with Jesus. So God is talking to us. That's the big point today. God is talking to us. Christ is the head of the church. We're his body. God is talking through the Holy Spirit within us. The question is, are we listening? Are we listening? 
to that original question, why is it so hard to hear from God sometimes? Why, is it, why, is it, why does it seem difficult? The truth is, I believe the biggest problem isn't the fallen world around us, because God can overcome that. It's not the principalities of the air. Our problem is usually we are just not submitted to him as we should be. We're just not submitted to his kingdom will as we should be. We have our own lives, and we usually put these lives first. We usually put our agenda first. We distract ourselves with stuff. We are Martha. We are Martha, worried and upset about many things when only one thing is necessary. One thing, paying attention to the voice of God speaking in us, through us. And it takes time. It takes practice. You know, it might take a little bit of experimentation, right? You practice it. You practice it. And that's cool. It's okay. One time, not very long ago, um, I was standing in line of, of one of my favorite places to, to eat. Typical. All my stories about eating, aren't they? I got an issue. Um, I was standing in line, and as I'm getting up, there, there's a lot of people behind me, in front of me, and as I'm getting up to the counter, I, I felt this voice. I felt this something nudging me, saying, uh, pray for the, the woman behind the counter. She was the one that owns the place. She's real sweet. She's an older, older lady. And uh, so we, you know, we sometimes we'll talk to each other. I said, offer to pray for her. I'm looking behind me. There's people behind me. You know, it's getting, it's lunchtime. I know everybody's, you know, on, busy. I'm looking in front of me. I'm like, oh, you know, it's, it's busy. I will pray for her to myself. That's what I'll do. I'll do that. That, that way I'll sort of be obeying God, but, I, you know, maybe he'll let that slide. Anyway, so I get up to the counter. I place my order. She walks over. She says, Pastor. She calls me Pastor. He said, Pastor, oh, will you, can I talk to you over here? And she calls me to the side. So I walk over there. She comes around the counter. And she tells me we had an issue going on in her family, uh, a, a specific uh, great need that was going on in her family that was really weighing on her. And she said, would you, would you pray with me right now? And I said, of course, absolutely. And so we prayed. And, you know, I just thanked God for moving in that situation. And we prayed in faith. And, you know, that seemed to bring her some peace. And she said, thank you. And went back. And that same voice spoke inside and said, now imagine how electrified her faith would have been had you told her, God wants me to pray for you today. He notices you and what's going on. And I was like, oh, sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. Right? It was a learning moment, right? He wasn't condemning me, but it was a learning moment. Don't ignore that voice. Don't ignore that voice. And so that, that's just something I would encourage you. Be paying attention. The Apostle Paul says a, a good soldier doesn't become so involved in civilian affairs that he's not paying attention to what the commander is saying. And so when we have a prompting to do something, as you're practicing hearing the voice of the Lord, you're practicing, you really does. You kind of practice hearing the voice of the Lord. If it is consistent with the character of Christ, because you do have an enemy out there who is lying to you. He's trying to get you to do stuff inconsistent with the character of Christ. You, it's easy to tell him apart. If it's consistent with the character of Christ, I would just say, step out and do it. Step out and do it. What The worst case scenario is that your kindness 
uh, is, is just your own head telling you to do something, which means that you're becoming more Christ-like in situations even when God doesn't have to specifically tell you to. That's the worst case, right? The best case is that you are actually hearing God and God is developing your spiritual ear, right? So step out and do it. Just say, yes, I'll do that, right? And that's why it's so important that when we're going throughout our day, we be aware of God's presence. Be aware that he is in you and you are in him. And he's in this very moment. Whatever it is we're doing, we might be in the grocery store, we might be in line at where we go eat, at, at work or whatever it is. But we are participating in God's self-communication as he is per- participating in our self-communication, our inner dialogue. He's participating in that, right? So go throughout your day aware of that. Listen to his voice. Pay attention to the present moment you're in. Don't get lost too much in future and past and worries and plans. Be in the moment. Be aware that God is right now. He is present. He is speaking to you. I pray that we'll do that because I got to tell you, this is what the kingdom is all about, friends. And the world depends on us learning to do this well. The world depends on this. God has established his church as his instrument of hope to the world. That's why we're here. So, so let's, let's practice doing this. I'm going to pray for us today. And I just invite you to, as I'm praying, ask God to fill you fresh with his Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's do that. Hallelujah. Father, dear God, we thank you for your friendship, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for embracing us into that divine love and relationship that you have within yourself, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And allowing us, Lord, to enter in, to share that same intimate relationship. Lord, we crave more of your spirit. We're desperate to have communion with you and to experience real, satisfying communication with you, Lord God. We want that. Fill us with your spirit afresh every single day. And help us to be continually aware of your presence in us and around us. For your name's sake, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're here today, bless you. If you're here today and you would like to ask the Holy Spirit to enter into your life, to be baptized in that spirit, to to experience that leading of God, Him falling fresh on you, the way He can do it every single day, If you want to do that, I encourage you to come forward. Pastor Albert's going to be right down here at the front. He would love to pray with you and lead you into that that next step. And um, I just encourage you to do that because he does. The Bible says all we have to do is ask. He doesn't pick and choose. It's It's not just the paid professional holy man. It's not just a special chosen few who get the Holy Spirit. Everybody. He says, come and drink. And I want to pour it out to you. He wants to pour out the Holy Spirit to you. He can't help but pour out to you because he loves you so much. He wants you to be part of that divine communion that's going on right now. So I encourage you to do that. If you have any other prayer requests going on, please let us know. You can, you can drop it in the offering boxes or you can tell us online at gchurch.net or you can put it on your, or you can put the little uh, prayer request button on your smartphone, whatever it is. Um, I just want you to, I don't want you to go through things alone, right? Don't suffer in silence. There's no reason to do that. We, we are called to pray for one another. Amen? Amen. Will you stand to your feet and let me speak a word of blessing over you today? Hallelujah. I'm excited. I'm telling you what, in just a few minutes, we're going to have some precious people being baptized, and uh, that is going to be a beautiful moment. 
but praise God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he pour out, pour out his favor upon you in this world that we're living in. Grace and peace to you. Bye-bye.